Over the past several weeks, it's been a real blessing to see so many within our midst make a profession of faith, to become new members. And it caused me to think, and I think many of you may have a remembrance as to what's the common denominator in all this. Well, it's faith alone, Christ alone, right? Our Lord and Savior. And then we had uh, Mother's Day, and I believe it would cause most of us to remember the specialness of our mother's love, some unique characteristic. So I got a lot to, thought a lot about remembering, and I wanted us to have a message that would cause us to remember our Heavenly Father and all that He's done. And uh, ironically, last week, Pastor made a comment in his message, and he said that we as a people are becoming desensitized. And that really hit home with me. It really struck a nerve, and I, I didn't take issue with it by any means. I just thought about it. And even within the church here, I thought, you know, when you prepare to make a profession of faith or become a member, you kind of cram for the exam, so to speak, right? You kind of brush up on what it's all about. And uh, I thought, how many of us could walk by when we walk out of the sanctuary on the way to the restroom, for example, walk by that corner wall with the uh, seating and and the acronym, the storyboard? How many of us could explain that or even recall what each letter means. And that's not taking a shot at anybody because I had to refresh myself with that as well. But the point simply is it sort of is our nature. Unless we're called upon and put on a spotlight, it's kind of our nature to sometimes become a little desensitized. So the message today is from Psalm 8, and I hope uh, it will expand some of our knowledge and cause us to remember who our holy righteous God is and appreciate him, his many characteristics, his facets, his essence. So that's what I'm hoping his word will bring to us today. Um, I did also feel it worth mentioning in terms of the world's effect on desensitizing us in the news every day. Uh, We see men competing with women in sports. We see confused people on the cans of beer. We see magazines that, when I was young, you thought was just uh, a good, healthy sports magazine that all of a sudden feels necessary to to post uh, a transgender individual. And what I'd like you to think about is certainly when I was younger, that would have really caused an alarm. It really would have caused concern. People would have been very upset with that. So I just ask you from this point forward in the sermon to at least accept that fact that I believe is true, that uh, we are becoming more desensitized. And let's turn to this word in Psalm 8 to counter that, to counter that desensitizing. Let's, I pray, and let's attempt 
in reviewing Psalm 8. Cause us to remember again his majesty, his might, and be encouraged in three specific ways unique to Psalm 8. First is the majesty. Let's focus on the majesty of our Lord and the vastness of the universe. It's uh, summertime, people go on vacations, and if you think of flying from coast to coast, that seems to be a pretty big trip. Or when we have missionaries come and talk to us, we often look at where they are from points around the world and think that that's pretty amazing. Uh, But the vastness of God's creation is much more than that. We're going to explore the heavens a little bit as as a result of Psalm 8. Secondly, I'd like us to focus on the creativity, the creative majesty of God's work. And third, the significance, the significance that God places on each and every one of us, how much he values us. We, who are so insignificant, really very insignificant, absent his love and grace. So let's go to his word. Allow me to read from Holy Scripture. And I ask you to hit the pause button here this morning, put the busyness aside. And I intentionally didn't put sound made up on the screen. I want you to be able to listen. I want you to be able to, to try to comprehend the depth of this message. I want you to savor, if you will, God's word. So let us go there together. O Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man? What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Yet you have, God, made us little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, And the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I want to take a moment and go back now and unpack some of that for you. And I'll reference the verse, but I I do have some thoughts that I'd ask you to ponder, to contemplate, to think about this morning. So when he in his words says he set his glory above the heavens. That's really exceeding glory, as you're going to see in a moment. I'm going to offer you some scientific facts, just how big our universe is, just how big the solar system is. And God, his glory is above. It's above and beyond all that. It's amazing. All things are possible with God. And we see that, as reference here, established strength through babes. And you think about the value that our God puts on human life and, and babies, okay? You think about the value that he must have for that, that he chose 
that means to deliver his son to us, to come to the earth. The incarnated Jesus started out as a baby. There's significance there. It's important to God. It should be important to us. And what a blessing it is when we have young children born to our families. So again, his ability to create strength and unleash potential gifts. When you look at some of the young people, if you've been here long enough and you've seen them develop through their teens, some of the young ones that made professions of faith, when they were a young baby in their mother's arms here at church, you never dreamed the gifts that they had. You never, you never dreamed. You had no way of knowing what they would turn into and develop and be blessed with. I want us to remember, too, in this psalm, it, it references the stars and the moon placed by God's hands, by his fingers. Remember, remember in another psalm, he calls out that he knits life. He knits children, babies in the womb. That's him. That's his personal touch. Again, reinforced by Psalm 8. And the insignificance of man, we're a mere mist, a vapor. For any of you that are older and in life like myself, you look back and you can't believe how quickly it passed. It is a mist. It is a vapor. It's like a time warp. It just speeds by. Okay? And yet the Lord blesses us with life. God chose the weak in the world to shame the strong. And in my weakness, he is strong. That's a reoccurring theme throughout Scripture. And I attest to it today. (laughs) So we are weak humans that he has given domain over the work of his hands. So when you think about a lifelong career that you might have in business or a job that you've had, it can be difficult to turn over the reins, okay, to un. To, to pass along, if you will, to your young offspring or family members. And here God entrusts us. We're stewards of this earth. He entrusts us. God rules the world with and through weak men. And we can, we remember we're all sinners. We can certainly see many weak men attempting to, to rule this country and to rule throughout the world. And we're just reminded they are nothing without our Lord. They are nothing without the Holy Spirit. They are nothing unless they surrender to him. Our Father who art in heaven is the lead of a prayer, and it is a prayer. And I wonder, just think about how many times you've said that in your life, beginning that prayer, or just turn to our Father in heaven. But think about he's in heaven, right? Think about the distance away from us, and yet he is accessible to us 24-7, always at our beckon. God calls you into existence through his power. He calls into existence that which does not exist. By the power of his word, he doesn't just take something and modify it, try to make improvements. He creates from nothing something. That's our God, powerful God. And by the power, he provides signs and wonders. The Bible's full of them. We've just gone through many miracles that have been uh, the subject of past sermons. And yet, all we have to do is look around 
just look around and see his wondrous works. We see it in nature, and I saw it this morning in Eugene. When you look into the, not that he's a baby anymore, but when you look into a baby's eyes, you can see the soul of that baby. And when they become several months older, and you look into their eyes and they give you a warm smile, you communicate with a love that's present because of what God has placed there, with their soul, with their life. It's a great gift to us. So indeed, Lord our God, our Lord, your majestic is your name in all the earth, and your glory resides, that's what I want us to focus on, it resides in the heavens. This fact is indescribably majestic. And we're hard-pressed to try to comprehend the magnitude of this revelation. So let's consider a few of the scientific facts uh, that are provided to us that we might begin to try to wrap our arms around this fact and, and imagine how huge our God is. So we'll start out small. It would take you 15 days by car to circle the Earth's equator. 15 days by car to circle the Earth's equator, traveling 70 miles an hour. In that same car, if you were able, it would take you five months to travel to the moon. That seems like a lot, but it gets better. It would take you six months to arrive on Mars, and light, which travels... At incredible speeds, uh, would circle the Earth seven times in one second. So again, think about that, and think about our Lord calling into light. Let it be. Let there be light. And bam, okay, light traveling that fast that it could circle the Earth seven times in a second. If you tried to travel to the Milky Way galaxy by car, it would take you. Two trillion years. That's trillion with a T. And if you were to count every star within the Milky Way galaxy, one star per second, it would take you 2,500 years. So you beginning to appreciate the vastness. You know, we, we look up at the sky at night and there's smog-filled skies, unfortunately. You can't see the stars and the wonder of God's creation there, but they're there. So remember the Lord has named each one of those stars, the psalmist tells us. So great is our Lord, mighty in power is he. So now we'll take it a little further in terms of some of the facts to help us appreciate the vastness of his creation. A commercial airliner traveling from the earth to the sun would take 19 years as the sun is 93,000 miles away from our earth. Another stat, it takes light at the speed of light eight minutes to reach us. Okay, so it takes light at the speed of light eight minutes to reach us from the sun to the earth. And if you try to represent the earth in a, a physical example, and I held a golf ball here, the earth would be represented by the golf ball. The sun would be represented by a 15-foot diameter globe. One million earths can fit within the sun. One million. Uh, 
So the visible universe contains 100 billion galaxies, each containing more than 100 billion stars. That's 10,000 million million stars. I'm going to fire for effect. I'm going to repeat it. 10,000 million million stars. That's more stars than there are grains of sand on the earth. That's incomprehensible to me, but it's certainly a sign of how big our God is. We'll move off these facts in a moment, but this is, again, just an illustration of how big the solar system is, the Milky Way galaxy, and our Lord is above all of that. In 1977, the U.S. sent the Voyager 1 probe into space, and it was challenged to try determine or pass through the solar system. Okay, so still bigger, still larger, and still nowhere near heaven, nowhere where God resides. It entered in 1977, traveling 38,000 miles per hour, because through space, less friction, right? But 38,000 miles per hour, it exited in 2012. So it entered in 77, exited in 2012. 12, that's 35 years traveling at 38,000 miles per hour. So our, our Earth sits in the Milky Way galaxy, but there are many more yet to be explored. Uh, as I said, the Milky Way is one of billions and maybe even a hundred of billions more. And this is something that I was surprised to, to learn and, of course, the scientists referenced the Big Bang theory in part of their explanation of this. But they stated that the solar system, the galaxies, they continue to grow. So if you think about that, when we reference God will love us for all eternity, and there isn't a stopping point, and the universe, the solar system, everything that God created is continuing to grow, uh, that's pretty amazing. In fact... It just reaffirms man may never, may never get to the end of the solar system. And uh, why should he, right? He doesn't, he doesn't need to be there. I turn to another psalm for a moment that I think reinforces some of what was in uh, Psalm 8. And it comes from Psalm 33. And the psalmist writes, The word of the Lord... The heavens were made by the word of the Lord. The heavens were made. Again, his creative power. By the breath of his mouth, he spoke it and it came to be. So in the theme of this sermon to remember, I ask that we remember he created something from nothing. And as he wishes it, so it is. God's divine power extends that firmly. So the work of his fingers created through his spoken word created billions of stars within billions of galaxies. Contrast that with the earth, the insignificance in comparison of size. Uh, To our knowledge, the earth is the only planet that has uh, habitation, people living. So the earth is therefore, this is a quote, not noticeable, and not notable as a demonstration 
It is insignificant, undistinguished, even an obscure speck in the sky. This is a quote by a uh, scientist, Carl Sagan, and he gives the example, the earth is 30 million light years removed from the center of the Milky Way. So it would take you 35, I'm sorry, 30 million light years just to hit the center of the Milky Way. Carl Sagan continues, so the earth is not center stage. It has not been given the lead in our cosmic drama. Its role is merely a walk-on, an extra in a movie. And as a result, we have very good reason for humility. So here, at least as a scientist acknowledging the vastness of God's creation should cause us not to get too puffed up about this planet Earth and our existence. And again, I just ask you to contrast that with the mighty, all-powerful God. We get to call Father, our Father, our Lord. How blessed we are. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all, he knows us intimately. So again, contrast the power, the might of his creation and all the universe. And now turn it to yourself. Internalize it. Let it become personal. He knows each and every hair on your head. Every one of us, he observes all our deeds. He knows our thoughts, our motives. He knows our hearts and our intentions. So God personalizes his creation of making men and women in his own image from the time of conception. This goes to the third point I hope we'll extract from Psalm 8, the value he places upon us, how much he loves us, cares for us, and values us. So remember this divine fact. We're created in his own image at the time of conception. Remember this fact when confronted by the worldview of reproductive rights or abortion on demand. Sometimes it can get very uncomfortable for young people in school, uncomfortable for us in the workplace or even at the family table. But we need to remember who God is. We need to remember what he has done. A stat we talked about yesterday at the men's group is that black babies in New York City, there's a greater number aborted every year than are born. More aborted than are born. Approximately 600,000 babies a year are aborted. We'll save that topic for another day, but I just ask you to contemplate how many Christians, how many Christian families who claim the name of Jesus, who say I'm a Christian, who say I believe Scripture, who say I believe in all-powerful God, how many fail to remember this, this fact? How many forget to remember how God values life? So God states in his word regarding the human creation, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me 
together in my mother's womb. Again, from the three objectives for today, thinking about God's handiwork, his personal involvement, his fingers as they place the stars and the moon in place, his fingers knit life in the womb. Praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Remember this divine fact when tempted to displace God from his throne, to dishonor the king of kings, the significance that God places upon we who are so insignificant. As I stated uh, earlier, absent his love and grace. Without his love and grace, the wor- we would remain enemies of God. Yes, we all know this. We'd remain sinners. Our value is created by the atonement. Think about that. By the atonement, the price, the cost, the price paid and the cost endured by the Father and the Son. So when I read to you, about being formed, we being formed in the inward parts, knitted together. I wanted to turn to some statistics to deal with this gift of life. So what of this gift of life? Well, from one cell from mom and one cell from dad, they unite to form a new cell, a new being, a new creation, a new life. Each parent provides 23 chromosomes from themselves that God knits together to create you, your specific DNA code. Your DNA code is uncommon. It's not a reproduction. It's uncommon. It's as unique as a fingerprint. It's as unique as a snowflake. There are no two the same. Think of all the population over all the years. Think of the, the entire world today. Your, your DNA is that unique. Your DNA code description contains three billion characters. That's three with a B, three billion characters. It contains, your body contains 25 trillion cells. And those cells die and are replaced at about 50,000 cells every three seconds. That in itself is pretty amazing. But to think that your description of who you are, who you've been created by the Lord God, has three billion characters detailing that information is truly mind-boggling. So here we go again. If you were to try to read one character of DNA one per second, it would take you 96 years if you were able to unravel God's mystery. That's pretty phenomenal. So I ask again in remembrance that you remember your creator, his work, the author of life, who gifts you, he gifts to you existence. He allows you to be to become, to experience life, to experience love. I ask you to think about once you became uh, a young adult, did you ever look back how many times 
Did you ever wish you had been aborted by your mother? Or do you find some value in life? Do you find joy, happiness? Do you find an experience with the Lord? So remember your creator's work, the author of life, God Almighty, all-powerful, sovereign God of all that is seen and unseen has ordained you, ordained all that you are to be. You are as special to him as you are a miracle to your parents. There is, let's be clear, there is no gender confusion on the part of our Lord. Ask yourself when listening to the news night after night, people out harping and yelling in the streets, whose reproductive rights are in question? Your DNA, if extracted from a, an individual cell, I can't comprehend this. You'd need an electric microscope. But if you were able to go into a single cell and extract the DNA and stretch it out, it would be six feet long from that single cell. When I read that, it just caused me to think about our Lord's outstretched arms. Sins forgiven by our God, as far as the East is from the West, from eternity past to eternity future. I hope some of these facts that we shared about the vastness of his creation light years away from us, helps you appreciate just again how far away we are that we've been cleansed from our sins as far as the east is from the west. There is no condemnation for us any longer. Hopefully you're encouraged by these facts. I hope maybe some of them brought new meaning to what we've learned from the review today. And again, to remember, most importantly, our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer, our savior, our Lord, yours and mine. We are his and he is ours. Remember, O Lord, our Lord. Amen.